Coming up on Tell Me Odds, we have an official synopsis for the Ahsoka series, Dame Judi Dench was almost in The Rise of Skywalker, and has Disney created a real working lightsaber? What time is it, 3PO? It is time for Telling the Odds. Michael, I don't know why I'm saying this, but with my co-host, co-host, oh, co-host, I'm a that's, fish now, that's real bad, there's always a bigger fish, Michael, <laughs> with my co-host Jack, uh, how you been Jack? I'm good, thank you Michael, yeah. uh, we were, sorry to be away last week guys, yes. uh, we talked about that um, on our last episode, um, yes. unfortunately we have uh, continuously busy lives away from the microphone, there that only, lots of going on in our lives right now, they only tend to get busier it seems, it gets in the way of Star, Star Wars, but now we are back for another week of, uh, of podcasting, so. absolutely, we're happy to we're happy to have you guys. Yep. Uh, today is Sunday, the 18th of April, and we are narrowly approaching Star Wars Day. It's getting close. And the release of The Bad Batch, which oh. should be a lot of fun. Well, the release first episode, the first like hour-long one, so that's yep. going to be a big big event to uh, talk about that, which I'm very excited for. But uh, Yeah, oh, that's another thing that I, I had, I've just, I'm just now remembering that we haven't, you know, sort of put up for our news, but um, I think it was Kevin Kiner who said that he will not only be returning to score... Uh, Bad Batch, oh, yeah? but that the but the series itself will consist of seventeen episodes. Whoa! How's that? That's that's really like Clone Wars only. Wait, how many Clone Wars? Thirteen. S- oh, yeah, thirteen. Wait, no, so for, no, twelve. In twelve in twelve. Yeah, because three four story three arcs. Four yeah, so yeah. that's massive. That's really long. I'm that's awesome. Very that. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's what it said, and I yeah. mean, I could be wrong. Don't take, uh, but don't, yes, don't take. Us. <laughs> if we if we go back after we've finished recording and that was completely uh, wrong, this segment's going to be cut out. Yeah, I I feel like if you look at uh, some of the uh, Star Wars news we've said in the past and how definitely a hundred percent correct it was, you can trust us in everything. So. Yes, exactly. Uh, but no, we've got a lot of cool stuff to talk about, guys. Um, some concrete stuff, some stuff that is. Pretty clearly on its way yeah. and just a fun topic that we're going to talk about yeah. um, and let's so I don't see why we this don't just get tough. right into it uh, let's start with the fact that we now have an official synopsis that was released for the Ahsoka series a groundbreaking synopsis of Ahsoka that's going to push the limits of what we expect this show to do yes and the groundbreaking <laughs> synopsis goes like this Ahsoka Tano is on the hunt for the evil Grand Admiral Thrawn in the hope it will help her locate the missing Ezra Bridger, the young Jedi that disappeared with Thrawn many years ago. End quote. Wow. That's a whole lot of stuff we didn't know. That's exactly what we thought it would be. I've got an idea, Michael. Let's turn this into a news story, shall we? Yes. Um, So the news is uh, Ahsoka is exactly what we thought it was originally going to be. Yeah, so she's looking for Thrawn and she's looking for Ezra. Hey, I'm excited. Hey. This pretty much confirms both live-action Thrawn and live-action Ezra. I mean, live-action Ezra was already, like, rumoured very strongly to be the actor we know about. Yeah. But Thrawn, I don't think, has been rumoured yet. Like, the uh, the casting. No, that's so true. So, that could be coming. That's very exciting. I'm a very big Thrawn fan. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, in terms of, like, its news, in terms of, like, confirming we're getting this... Very exciting. In terms of its news and, like, not expecting to get this, no, we pretty much knew this was coming. Yeah, uh, look, I'm excited to see more of Ahsoka's story. I'm excited to what for what this episode, sorry, not episode, series will mm. bring, uh, because not only will it do what I think the se- first season of Mandalorian did, which is introduce new characters, but yeah. the idea that they could go into, and because Dave Filoni's in charge, and he's got a yeah. vast knowledge of stuff, of, of, of the Force and Legends material and stuff that they could yeah, bring into canon true. and stuff, like, I would love, I'm not sure if this will happen, but I would love to see, are you familiar with the Grisk? 
No. The Griskis um, was uh, introduced, I believe, in the Expanded Universe as part of Thrawn's um, uh, story. And they're like a race of mind-controlling uh, aliens oh, that the yes. Chiss ascendancy are basically opposed to. They're like the Kree and the Scrolls in the Marvel Universe. Okay, okay. It's kind of like the Chiss and the uh, Grisk might, in this case. They might be in the Thrawn book series. I'm like three, I think they books, are in, I'm like three books behind. So. I think th- I think that's where they're from. Uh, yeah. Because it's from... Uh, it's a, I believe they were introduced by Timothy Zahn in the 90s when he first wrote oh, his Thrawn book. It probably would have been the uh, Edge of the Empire. Series. But they're a really, really cool species and mind control isn't something they've really explored in Star Wars. Mm. But like I was thinking about the the possibilities that could you know uh, you know cool, yeah. give us would be awesome i just yeah i just think in terms of Will Thrawn, who's just such an interesting character who in my opinion turned rebels from just a good show with some interesting characters to being a amazing show whenever Thrawn was on scene and like kind of a slow build up but then eventually like the season finale of season three and like parts of season four he's just he's such a compelling character when written well and so that immediately just gets me so excited for the show like um you're you're absolutely right literally the the in the episode that Thrawn first shows up which is the first episode of season three of rebels yeah. the show feels completely different purely because he's there for sure and it and it picks up so much the presence from, is so important from where we were in season yeah. two like the end of season two of um the end of season two of Rebels. That's also I, really good, yeah. I would put it around the same level as like the season, uh, and like the ending of the second season of Clone Wars, mm-hmm. in, as far as like you know goodness. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of it was really good. Not yeah. Clone Wars good, but good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's again, that's that guys. It's just that's the Ahsoka synopsis, but, and but is very like, exciting for. This is just straight up confirming it's like a, a sequel continuation of Rebels. Yeah. Which is so interesting because we already. <clears throat> We already suspected it would be that. Yeah. But, like, just confirming, like, that, like, people who would have come off The Mandalorian, seen, like, Ahsoka as a character, realised there's this show coming, which is basically all about her, like, be interested to watch that. Like, it's it's basically continuing this rebel storyline, but for an even more broader demographic, and I think that's really cool. I wonder how many people will go back and watch Rebels after this, which is, like, a really cool show I like. That's true, because, you know, I'm sure that a lot of the Star Wars fandom who really loves Ahsoka <laughs> might not see, might not have seen Rebels. Yeah. So this will get more people to watch Rebels, which I is think... good, because Dave Filoni's in charge of both. So. I know that, like, a lot, of, a lot of my friends, or, like, people that we know who are Star Wars fans, a lot of them would, of course, seen the movies. Ever like, nearly everyone's seen the movies. But a lot of them, like, in our demographic, has also seen the Clone Wars TV series. Yeah. And then, like, didn't really watch Rebels, but then also came back for Mandalorian. So maybe that, like, in that way, they would have liked Ahsoka from Clone Wars and, like, started to get into the new Disney Plus stuff. Maybe then they'll go back and watch Rebels and, like, get... True. You know, out of everyone that I talk to in my my basic friend group about Star Wars, you are the only person who has seen Rebels. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, basically, the the constant thing about, basically, anyone I talk to about Star Wars, they've seen Clone Wars, they haven't seen Rebels. Except for you. Obviously, we host a Star Wars podcast. We're in the age demographic where we grew up with Rebels, sorry, with Clone Wars just being on our TV. And I guess maybe, if you, like, go maybe a couple of years lower, like, maybe, like, half a generation below us, they might have grown up watching Rebels as well but like it's it's just not really in our age demographic that like just a lot of people miss unless you are really hardcore into Star Wars like I know for us in Australia in our age demographic when before Disney Plus came it was quite hard to find Rebels to like actually it was. watch it that's actually kind of true like I didn't watch season 2 and 3 till it came on Disney Plus just because it was like hard to find like locations for them and stuff so it would I only think, show up on like Disney XD and stuff yeah so like you could only get it through like the paid um, cable uh, version for us uh, or you could like buy versions of it online but it was like it was like expensive and annoying to get exactly whereas just Clone Wars was just on the TV and we grew up with that and like everyone liked that so I think that, yeah again I don't know how we got to 
this will be an opportunity for people to watch Rebels, but yeah. It's, well, it will be. Cause that's... I think it's exciting that it's continuing on this story of Rebels, which was not a niche show, but like not a, it didn't feel like this gets nearly as much love in the Star Wars universe as something like Clone Wars, which is, at this point, pretty universally liked across the board by Star Wars fans. Exactly. Uh, well, yeah, I think that's a good way to round out that discussion, uh, yeah. because it didn't really provide that much depth for a discussion. Uh, it was just <laughs> a synopsis. The is, of... you are correct in what you think Ahsoka will be. Yes, exactly. So that is that, guys. Um, and, uh, I mean, it just elevates our excitement for the Ahsoka series, just regardless of the fact of, that it's all the stuff we know, the fact that it's even being made is exciting. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, Ahsoka's such an interesting character. Rosario Dawson, like, and it kicked it out of the park when she'd like... You would forward. think... You would think that we'd be getting tired of seeing Ahsoka stories. Yeah, by now. But we're not, because Ahsoka is such an amazing character. in, like, every single... Pretty much, like, Star Wars material except the main films. She was in two different Star Wars things yeah. in one year. Exactly. She basically... She had Clone Wars Season 7 and she had The Mandalorian. Yeah, and we were just... And we were just, exci- uh, just as much excited for, for both, both of them. That's true. Like, we, we weren't... What was I more... Ex- I feel like I was more excited for Clone Wars because it was, like, ending the arc of her. Yeah, exactly. Like, even just her appearing in The Mandalorian was really cool because it was, like, live action. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's a testament to how well-written uh, Ahsoka has been as a character from the start because you never get tired of seeing her. You yeah, always want to see where she's going well, next. You never from the start. I like she's well written because of her arc. I feel like start of Ahsoka is like, <laughs> hey Sky Guy. <laughs> <laughs> Do servant girls carry these? I'm a Jedi Knight. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, season one Ahsoka is fun. Um, the Clone Wars movie Ahsoka. Oh even oh that's even worse. Yeah. This is where the fun begins. Uh, you know what? I I saw a meme one time yeah, yeah. that said because she says that in that movie, mm. chronologically she's the first person to ever say it. This is where the fun. Because, you know, it's it goes her, and basically every time Anakin says it in the Clone Wars, yeah. and then he says it in Revenge of the Sith, and then, you know, Han doesn't say it to the to episode 4. Like, the first time you properly yes. heard it was Han in episode 4, but chronologically, Clone she Wars came, movie Ahsoka is Ahsoka the first was person. The correct, she came up with that phrase, and everyone's just, Anakin copied it from her, <laughs> and then Han copied it from, this, it was well known after Anakin. Well, that's, that's the canon, thing. That's it, it, it probably became, like, Anakin was such a trendsetter as it far was. as what he, because, no, no, and this is actually like, everyone a, had his hair cut off. This that. is actually a canonized thing. Like, uh, Anakin Skywalker was such a well-known war hero that he basically became a celebrity, uh, right. like, amongst the Republic, oh, right? He funny. became, like, Star Wars Beyonce around the. But he ar- still had he, st- he was still a fan of uh, of Ben Quadrenaris. It's like yeah, it's like well, no one can act, no one can beat Ben Quadrenaris. <laughs> it's like when a, a celebrity has like your poster on the wall, or it's like wow, Ben Quadrenaris <laughs> is so popular. He's liked by Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> I guess I didn't like Ben Quadrenaris. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what we were saying anymore, Michael. I don't even know <laughs> what we're doing. News topic number two. Quick. News, let's go. News topic number two. Dame Judi Dench was almost in Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> no! Let's Why tra- is that the picture? Why is that? <laughs> okay, okay, for, for the record, the, the website that we're using as the source for this discussion, oh. um, because it has to have a Dame Judi Dench related picture at the top of the article, <laughs> they chose to include her picture from Cats. They chose to pick her as Deuteronomy from Cats. I love you know her name in I Cats. I know her names. I'm a Cats fan. I mean, not a fan of the... Yeah. Um, <laughs> you heard it here first. Michael thinks that Cats is the best film of all time. Cats 2019. All I'm saying is Cats 2019 happened before the pandemic, and then after the pandemic was after Cats 2019. And so, I mean, the pandemic caught co- the co- cat, cat caused cat, cats caused ang- the pandemic. Cats were angry with us after Cats. 
Um, sorry, Star Wars, yes. Yes, Dame Judi Dench. so, Dame Judi Dench apparently was almost in The Rise of Skywalker in a role that did not end up going ahead because it was basically eliminated in early script drafts, but the concept artist yep. uh, for Rise of Skywalker, Phil Saunders, who is, like, you know, I love all the concept art for Star Wars because, you know, I'm a big designer. Yeah, head. that's what nice. um, cool. But anyway, he was talking about one of the uh, pieces of concept art that he conceptualized that never went to screen and asked to basically explain it. And it basically shows Ray talking with an old woman in like a desert shack. So now we have context because he has now said, another random shot from Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker was in an earlier version of the script, Ray would have sought out the original designer of the Millennium Falcon to find a piece of hardware that could stop the First Order Armada. Dame Judi Dench was on the wish list for the role and would have been great. Ray finds her on yet another desert planet, of course, and her home would have been carved into to the top of a spectacular mesa. Okay. I was just tasked with adapting a piece of reference providing by, provided by the art department into an interesting interior. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, Sorry. that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the sequel trilogy and maybe generally Star Wars in general had a real problem of like overhyping how important, like, the original trilogy, like, characters and ships and stuff were. Like, as isn't playing here. The, There's the, so much to unpack the here. The Millennium Falcon is just a, it's just a YT-2800 freighter, isn't it? It's YT-1300 freighter. Yes. Oh, get out, Michael. No, 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 listen. They When they say, oh, yeah, the creator of the Millennium Falcon, the Millennium Falcon isn't, like, a one-off thing that some person spent, like, years trying to perfect. It was one... Of many ships that were exactly like it, like that yeah. it was made in a it was factory. It was a freighter that was heavily customized by like two or three, or actually it was more people, like over time. It's ridiculous. Which is why one, it's customized, but two, even because of that, how the Millennium Falcon is not going to be the key to the galaxy. I am just, I am not a big fan of this idea of like implying that the Millennium Falcon is like the fastest ship in the entire galaxy. The but, person who says that is Han, who's bluffing and trying to get these crazy people to buy his ship for like twenty thousand credits. That's true, yeah. and Lando says it. But, yeah, you know, but he he was also a previous when owner. Does so say it? I think he's the first person to say it in the in the original trilogy. No, no, no. Um, Han says he's like, this is the fastest ship; it can outrun star destroyers, and then it doesn't outrun star destroyers. <laughs> That's true. It's the same. It needs to go into hyperspace. Um. Oh, but yeah, you know what would have been great? Clearly, is uh, basically what this piece of news implies is that on above. The fact that the Rise of Skywalker is just one big Indiana Jones like amazing race yeah. like search for objects. There would have been an entirely different New subplot of Ray looking for an item. Oh yeah, looking for another <laughs> MacGuffin on another <laughs> desert planet. Going to another desert planet to find another person who can who's like from the past of them. It's like oh, I was significant to your grandfather or something. Oh gee, yeah. But it's not even like to stop a massive thing. It's to stop the First Order Armada. What does yeah. that even mean? Like, I'm, I'm sorry, we're going to end up shitting on the Rise of Skywalker again, but that's basically what we do it's here. It's alright, we'll make up for it later on. Um, yeah, it's like, they... Yeah, so that she was going to have an improvement to the original... To the main part, yeah, well, that's like. also what I'm saying, is that not only does it not make sense that, like, a single person was responsible for the construction of the Millennium Falcon, yeah. not the YT-1300, the Millennium the designer, Falcon. She designed it as a truck, not as a warship. Exactly, that's the thing, is that, hey... Can you please take a look at this ship that was not only modified by Lando Carizian, yeah. but then further modified and half torn apart by Han Solo yeah. and replaced with, yeah, guns and, without, and blasters. Without the, the escape pod or anything. She's probably like, why did you strap guns to my thing? Like, <laughs> it's amazing. Point. It doesn't even make sense for it to be her thing. Like we said, the YT-1300 yeah, was like a mass-produced ship. Unless she was like the designer. She could have been the designer. As if she was like the, the original yeah, like, architect. Yeah, the architect of it. Yeah. In which case, like even then, it's still like... 
she just would have come up with like the design of it like and unless the this part that she needed to destroy the first order was part of the original design but like wasn't included like it's just such a bizarre out of the way tr attempt to try and like shoot on this in i feel like i'm that's a really one of the wisest decisions rise of skywalker made was not including this scene of course you know, the YT-1300 has been a mass-produced Corellian ship for as early on as the prequel trilogy. The first person who in, who, who designed it mm. would be long since dead by... Uh, unless they have, yeah. like, a... Un, un, unless they're, like, part of a species that has, like, a really long lifespan. But clearly, it as part of this concept art, yeah. this person would have been a human. It's just... It, no, well, a human cat, actually. So. Human... Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, <laughs> Michael. Uh, yeah, because it shows up in Revenge of the Sith with, like, just a barely seen. And so, like, that's before... Like, that's when... Before Han had it, before yeah. before Lando would have had it, um, and that was like how long? How long before Revenge of the Sith? So nineteen years plus like four or five years. Look, this just plus like forty years. This just you know uh, exemplifies why we think that Rise of Skywalker is like it's such a poorly well a poorly written movie as far as you know making yeah. it connected to the rest of the universe. Mm. We talked about this when we did our Rise of Skywalker you know retrospective. Yeah, think... Is that you? need to remember when you're writing the ninth movie in a franchise that you can you can write whatever you want but you also need to write in keeping with what has been done in in 40 years yeah. of preconceived material I think my biggest thing with it is it barely it barely um, summed up the sequel trilogy and it did not sum up the entire Skywalker saga at all yes. so like it like barely it was like it, it very cobbled together and, and like not satisfyingly covered the previous two but like in terms of wrapping up any of the original trilogy wrapping up any of the prequel trilogy or like any of the overall skywalker saga just did that so poorly i know and like that's what it built it itself up as is the final of the, the finale of the skywalker saga sometimes i have trouble remembering that chris terrio the guy who wrote rise of skywalker has an oscar oh does but, he? yeah what do you get the oscar for argo with ben affleck right. which is a fantastic movie i haven't seen it and then he wrote batman <laughs> v superman and rise of skywalker um oh, yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's just not, that's not, you know, not shit on Chris Terrio, but it would have been, it would have been funny if, you know, someone was just the, sitting uh, in a... Game of Thrones actors wrote, like, Wolverine Origins beforehand. I know. Like, no one saw that coming. Like, you, can you just imagine if Dave Filoni was in the room with J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio while they're having, like, writers' discussions? Mm. J D Dave Filoni would have been like, you've seen these movies, right? Like, <laughs> nah, it's probably all a bit hierarchy. They're probably all like, well, I mean, because they're like at the top or whatever. I'd be interested to know how much involvement Disney had in the creative decision behind Rise of Skywalker. I feel like it should have been a lot. Right? They just changed the yeah. stuff they didn't like and made it something that didn't make sense, clearly. <coughs> yeah. Like the fact that they cut Hayden Christensen out of the movie. They cut like he was going to be in it. He was going to be in it. Ugh. Uh, yes, so that's true. Uh, okay, so that's that story, guys. Let's just... Move right on from the fact yeah, that Dame Judi Dench strange been... choice that we're glad didn't happen. Although it would have been better if Dame Judi Dench showed up as a cameo as a cat. That would as been... the cat from as Cats. The, as as due to with the CG the with yes. the CGI butthole and yes. all that crap. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, you reminded me of the CGI butthole. <laughs> New story number three. Here we go. Quick news. Okay, our third story before yes. we move on to a main topic. Uh, very interesting, Michael. Mm. There are real lightsabers in the oh, world. Oh, yeah. I was trying to remember what the third topic was. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Right. So, apparently... Hang on. Let me get this right. Yes. Real lightsabers in the world, apparently, due to Disney. They're, uh, apparently, Disney... Apparently. Like, Disney Parks, right, has... How many times can we say apparently during this whole segment? Has developed... A working lightsaber, okay? Mm. So, basically, what happened is the chairman of Disney Parks... I forget his name. Um, Bob. 
They're yeah. All, they're all named Bob. <laughs> um, a recently, Disney uh, provided a, uh, a a virtual presentation to, I believe, their investors, and they were talking about the fact that the Disney fans can never predict what they're going to do next. Oh. And then, at the end of the presentation, this is how he ended. Yeah. He struck up a real l- working blade of a lightsaber, said, it's real, as in, this is actually happening this week and do this now, and then that's how the presentation ended. Mm-hmm. So Disney has been working. I assume that it's like a pattern or a prototype or something like that yeah. on a real working lightsaber, a hilt that just stands as it is, uh, uh, that works as you like pressing a button and a massive glowing blade pops out and it cuts limbs off. Yeah, that's the only thing that we're just like um, when we say real working lightsaber, we don't mean that they've developed a weapon that can cut right through. Yeah, your they already limb. did that on YouTube. That's true. That like those are like three thousand degree blades that are made in like garages yeah. by like things about like engineers, by like stuff, yeah. But, yeah, by engineers that strap massive battery packs yeah, to their exactly. backs and stuff like that. I doubt they'll be doing that. Yeah, it's probably more visual, like basically trying to get the lightsaber to look as visually correct to the film as it can. Yeah. And so if they did that, like wow, that would be pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, because well, that's the thing is that uh, VR developer Ben Re- uh, Ben Redout, who sort of was behind the um, you know the, the technical behind the scenes for this VR presentation, said, did Disney invent a real working lightsaber? Yes. Yes, they did. It won't melt through metal blast doors or cut off your hand, but it does feature an illuminated blade that will extend and retract at the push of a button. So, holy shit, I am so excited. And I cannot wait to own one of these because I know that I'm going to end up getting one at some point. Yes, ship a $10,000 lightsaber for the I thought that my legacy Luke Skywalker lightsaber that lights up and glows in the dark was awesome. That is nothing compared to the possibility of actually having a real working lightsaber. Yeah. How cool would that be, Michael? Seriously. Be very, like, it would be very cool. I feel like... I really hope that this isn't like a $10,000 thing, that this is something that they like are actually able to like make really like efficiently. They like, can you know, sell on like an... In, like, you know, you know, just, just... Like, that'd be cool. Um, like, yeah. That, that's ma- like, they can actually mass-produce these things and have them be I'd bought be in know, at like, Galaxy's Edge. how they did it, like what, like what the science is behind it, because that'd be pretty cool. Well, Disney has all the money in the world, yeah. so yeah, they Disney, can clearly just get the best two billion dollars into making lightsaber. It's literally what they can do. <laughs> they make yeah. like several million dollars a <laughs> month just from Disney Plus subscriptions. In, in, invest the uh, invest the uh, uh, Avengers Endgame, but uh, like uh, box office just into a lightsaber, just all of that film. They literally could, and it wouldn't, and they wouldn't, and it wouldn't make a like yeah. a lick of difference. Um, yeah, look, I'm so excited for the possibility of this. <laughs> when you first told me, I thought you were like implying there's an actual weapon. Like, well, that's the thing. If things, they'd actually, I'm like, I don't know how much of a fan I am of the idea of like Disney, a big corporation, inventing like a new powerful weapon. But no, that's the thing. If they had actually created a weapon that could slice through your hand and like melt through doors and stuff, <laughs> the military would be on the phone immediately saying, "Hey, Disney, um, you know, uh, you know, please, please send us all." Of <laughs> Please like send all. us every single oh, one. Could you imagine just Disney transitions from like entertainment company to like arms deal? <laughs> like, office, like, wow. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> they like sell Iron Man suits. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they like, just own the patents to like the fictional weapon to their movies. Disney has <laughs> just make real versions they sell to like the government. I guarantee you they're doing that. Hey, oh. I want you to make an arc reactor. <laughs> Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave. That's Tony Stark. <laughs> um, yeah. Ugh. 
Are we an MCU podcast now? We uh, are an MCU podcast. No. Uh, so yeah, no, that's really interesting. There's like a whole animated thing attached to it that's actually like an actual video, but we can't show it obviously because we're audio. Mm. But look, the idea that I could at one point own an actual working lightsaber that I could like light up and then light back down and just like hook on a belt, yeah. that is so exciting. And I I'm just like the coolest thing would just be like to see a ten year old and be like, hey, look, this is a real lightsaber, and they're like, yeah, sure, it's a real lightsaber, and then you go like. And then be like, whoa. Holy shit. Yeah, I know. That's so exciting. Well, like 10-year-old versions of us. But I'm also just like, hey, can you fight with them? Yeah. Are you going to be able to fight with one if you have two? (laughs) I don't know if they'd collide. I hope so. I hope they do. I mean, how? depends on how they do it. Because if if it's light, they can't collide. Um, If it's like a material? Like, I'm just... That's the thing. As like a, just an interest, I'm actually interested in scientifically how it would work. I, I, I honestly am too, because they are literally... Because, like I said, they're going to take... There's going to be nothing there. By the way, take all of this with a grain of salt. This is probably not going to be true in a week. There's no, or it's all, all is. There's not going to be like a translucent blade that they can light up. They are literally taking... Yeah. They're literally creating a luminescent glowing blade out of thin air. Mm. It's so interesting to think to think about how they've actually designed yeah. this and how they're actually going to be able to do it on like a wide scale for sure. mass production if they intend to have this be like a thing that you can just yeah. buy. So uh, stay tuned for further developments on this, I guess. Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm so excited at the possibility that this could be a thing. For and sure, if sure. it actually is a thing that's going to be bought, yeah. I know that I'll be getting one as soon as they're available. Yeah, yeah, we'll, do our, we'll do our lightsaber fights this time with the, an actual track blades. Not, not that we, as um, grown adult men, um, do lights, lightsaber fights at all. No. 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 Yeah, very true. Of course not. Of course not. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> okay, so guys, that is the uh, extent of the news for this week. There's a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. Yeah, uh, I, look, unorthodox news, I feel like, this week. It was kind of like one, like, Rise of Skywalker reveal, like one zany Disney story, and then the normal, like... Oh, Ahsoka thing that yeah, we completely Ahsoka. expected. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so this week, guys, we're going to do something a little different. Not talk shit about the sequels. We're going to be kind. We're, we're good boys. We're, we're good, little, good little Star Wars fans. Yeah, we realise that... We're going to embrace our inner Disney shill. That there seems to be so much criticism about the sequels nowadays. Not that they're all bad, but no. we, feel, we feel like that, you know, there's such a negativity around them most of the time when they're brought up in conversation that we thought it'd be nice to really <laughs> take a moment and think, what are the parts of the sequel trilogy that we actually really enjoy? Yeah, and this is not like every single moment that we thought is good or... Every moment is perfect. This is like moments throughout the sequel trilogy that we thought, I liked this moment. I thought that this was a good addition to the Star Wars universe. Yeah, exactly. We're going to do a top five uh, from, for both Number Michael five. and I. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. You had to do it. I had to do it. You I had to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that is what we're going to do. Like, And again, you know, look, listen, we both hate Rise of Skywalker. This, we think the, it's a garbage film. Yes. But it's, it, it flip-flops between bottom between Attack of the Clones, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, we, <laughs> we still both stand by the fact that The Last Jedi is a really, really good film. We yeah. both really enjoy it. And I feel like as far as Force Awakens goes, I still like it. I don't love it like I used to. Right. Like, like my opinion of Force Awakens has since gone down after a while. Yeah. But I still think it's a good movie. I, I'm the opposite. When I first saw it, I'm like, this is alright. But like, I, over time, I've started to come have a bit more appreciation for it. Like, yeah. I, I kind of see its place in like the Star Wars uh, like film uh, order now, but like you know, I think we generally still have a very similar opinion of it. That it, it's like it's no original trilogy, no Last Jedi, but it's clearly very far much better than Rise of Skywalker. Yes, most things are better than Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Um, so anyway, guys, let's just no, let's not waste any time. Let's get into our top five list for the top five things about the sequel trilogy that we actually like. Yes. Uh, Michael, would you like to go first? Of course. Yes. Number five. There it is. Um, so yeah, so uh, for my number five, like, 
addition. It's it's something that's like I understand the flaws, but I think in the moment I thought it was just fun, and I think it, I think it just added to. Uh, it added to a film that, frankly, I didn't think had much going for it. And okay. this is, uh, so I did a bit of a joke when we were coming up with these earlier. It's like 10 points if you can include something from Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> so my inclusion was, in the past, so when, uh, when Rey is, is fighting Palpatine or whatever, and all the past Jedi come back and, like, basically encourage her and say, you can do this, Rey. Like, yeah, it doesn't make sense why, uh, Soka and, uh, Freddie Prince Jr. and Mace Windu Kanan, yeah. yeah. It doesn't make any sense why they're there, but it was a fun moment, and in the cinema, I was, like, excited. I was like, that's wow, true. I, like, that's Ahsoka, or, is that Kanan? Like, I was so yeah. hyped in that moment. Well, they also insinuated that yes, Ahsoka was dead. That's true. Which angered a lot of people. Well, or at least that she was able to communicate with the Force. Well, that's what they're saying. Is that now, yeah. Exactly. John Favreau and Dave Filoni have said that they, you know, her voice showed up yeah. and she communicated with Rey, but she is alive at yeah. the time of sequel, at the time of the sequel it, yeah. trilogy. Um, I agree with you. I think this is a re- it is a really cool scene. It's one of my mm. favorite moments from Rise of Skywalker. Um, I think just for me, because like in so much of that scene was just so like. I didn't have, like, any hype or stakes for what was happening. It was like, okay, so they're just fighting Palpatine again. Uh, Ben's there. I think Ben was really cool. Oh, I should have mentioned Ben in that film. Okay. Um, I, I, I did actually quite like uh, Ben Solo in that film. But, like, yeah, so moments like that. But then it just, that came on, and, like, suddenly I had some actual stakes in what was happening in the scene because it, it connected me to something from the past that I liked about Star Wars but also tied it to the new as, like, she is the remains of the Jedi in this universe. She is continuing on their legacy. And so yeah. I thought... That was a good moment from a terrible film. <laughs> Damn it! This is not. This is supposed to be us being nice to the sequel trilogy. No, no, I do get what you mean. Yeah. And I, like I said, I really do love that scene. I was kind of waiting for Ewan McGregor's voice to show up. It doesn't. Is it but, just uh, Alganus? I think they take the Ray from right. "Come here, my little friend. Don't be afraid." Yeah. Uh, from from uh, a new hope. Look, it makes sense at that point. It is supposed to have been Alganus. That's true. And like I was waiting the entire time to maybe hopefully see Hayden Christensen in some capacity when I yeah. first saw Rise of Skywalker. Right, right. But see, but hearing his voice alone yeah. was was at least, was at least he showed up. Was fantastic. Oh wait, no, no, no. I'm sorry. What am I doing? Of course, you do hear Ewan McGregor's voice. He's the first one you hear. Yeah. These are your final steps, Ray. Rise and take them. That's okay, what, that's yeah, what he good. says. I'm like, it would be strange if they didn't include him at all. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. he's, like, so loved. I mean, it was heavily implied he was Ray's, like, grandparent until they Well, Daisy Ridley like, has since confirmed that that yeah. was... And the, I, that was <laughs> That was the idea Which, for a, a good part of you know, the at, Rise of Skywalker's runtime. At the time, I was like, why? That's a terrible idea. Until the Disney exec still, stepped in and, and changed and less, Last year, I still think that would have been better to go with that. But if it had come between Obi-Wan... Or Palpatine. Obi-Wan every day. <laughs> every time I would have picked up it. It also would have meant that Satine and Obi-Wan are yeah. most likely her grandparents. Yeah. That would have been kind of awesome. Um, Sorry. Yeah. Um, good Holy film. shit. Does that make Corky her dad? <laughs> no. It's not going to Corky from the Clone Wars is Ray's father confirmed. <laughs> that's my head cannon. That's, head, yeah, that's, that's my true. head cannon. Yeah. Because no way did Palpatine actually have kids. Like, he, he just stole some. No, that's he just, true. That, he just stole Corgi. <laughs> he stole Corgi. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Hey, listen. Yeah. Get back on track for just a yes, minute. Sorry. I do yeah. Like, some of the other... Um, uh, voices that you hear, mm. you get to see, you get to hear Ayla Secura's voice. Yeah. And I believe that the voice that they from use Clone is the same voice actress from Clone Wars. Because she doesn't speak in the prequels. You hear, uh, you... so many of the Jedi never say a word. Does Kit Fisto ever say a word? No. Kit Fisto never talks. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll tell talks. you what you hear from Kit Fisto in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. You hear him go like this. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, Keanu Monday talks. Um, he does. Luminara Unduli never, never talks. T- so many Barris Offie never talks. So Plo Koon mo- never talks. <laughs> Eth Koth never talks. So many of the most iconic Jedi. Evan Peel never talks. Never talk until the. Well, at least we got to talk in the Clone Wars, so that's good. That's true. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure that the voices that you heard them use yeah, were the voice actors from yeah, Clone Wars. Would have been the Clone Wars, yeah, it makes sense. And you got to hear, like you said, Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah. As, as Kanan. <laughs> yes. In the heart of a Jedi lies your strength, is what he says. You go, Ray. You do it. Hell yeah, I'm Freddie Prince Jr. That's what he said. <laughs> um, yeah, great. Thanks, Michael. Uh, you also get to hear Frank Oz as Yoda, yeah. Sam Jackson as Mace Windu, obviously. Of a lot of great, a lot of great voices. And he's not dead, is he? He's still alive. No, that's true. That's what Sam- Samuel L. Jackson thinks. Not after Mace fell out the window. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Got him. Uh, okay, yes, so, that so was, that's that was number five. Uh, yes, your number. Five. My number five is not a moment. It's just something that I wanted to talk about that I think really elevates the uh, the, yeah. the sequel trilogy and is a thing that is perfect no matter what Star Wars movie you're watching. Yeah. it's the music. Yeah, all right. I feel like the sequel trilogy gave us some of the best pieces that are ever written for Star Wars, mm. uh, like uh, Ray's theme, the yeah. Resistance theme, the First Order theme, or Kylo Ren's theme. It's sort of like doubles as both. Mm. So much amazing music in this movie, especially in the uh, in this sorry in this. Uh, trilogy especially in The Last Jedi I feel yeah. like as far as music goes Last Jedi is the one that, where the music was at its best It uh, because and I'll and I have yeah, no I, qualms I agree like the part where they're on crate and that like original score I have no qualms saying this uh, The my favourite Star Wars piece of music is in The Last Jedi yeah. and it's the spark the 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 track that plays when Luke is walking out that that one I can't do it justice because yeah, it's, it's amazing it is a masterpiece exactly yeah, exactly that's the thing it's like a pretty con- big consensus across no matter what quality the Star Wars film has the music is always going to be like stellar exactly like John Williams is a master uh, and uh, like Ray's theme in particular there is such a kindred innocence to that th- to yeah. that theme like the the fact that John Williams is able to actually attach a f- like emotive like uh, uh, like an emotive attachment and a personality to his music yeah. is something that John Williams has always been uh, very capable of, mm. especially in Force Awakens when you're introducing us to what is going to be the protagonist for an entirely new generation. Yeah. You needed to give something... You needed to have us... Sorry, you needed to give us something that gave us an emotional connection to Rey immediately. And that was perfectly executed through her theme because that's all you get of her for a good long while because she doesn't talk for the first 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Right? All you have is her theme. Exactly. And it's oh, so... That, and it's another good moment. Yeah, it's Force so Awakens. beautiful. I believe that the opening of The Force Awakens is probably the strongest part of the entire film. Like, I, uh, I think you're well, right. The, the, I, I think the, the opening part with Rey, where it's like... The best just, sequence it's real slow, is Rey's first scene. It takes its time with it. The music is like all that's carrying the emotion and like just like even just like the performance of, of, of Daisy Ridley and just with the bits without talking, I think that's a very strong moment. So I agree, definitely. Yeah. Like she doesn't speak until the whole thing where Tito's trying to yeah. net up BB eight, right? And in all those moments she she never speaks once. Yeah. All right. And and through all of that you get, okay, she's a scavenger. She's alone. She yearns to go away because there's that awesome scene where she watches a uh, a, a ship leave the atmosphere. Yeah, exactly. You, you, she doesn't even speak throughout that. You can no. tell she's poor. She doesn't have a good life. Yeah. And that's all because of John Williams' music. The music got it all. Exactly. And visuals were pretty good as well, but yeah. The visuals were amazing. That's true. Uh, so so that is my number five, how amazing the music is and always will be, regardless of what movie we are watching in the Star Wars right. universe. Michael, what is your number four? Number four. <laughs> 
Uh, my number four moment is basically the whole um, parts with Luke and the Force in Last Jedi, and the way that Luke talks about the Force, and basically not does a reset, but like kind of reconnects the re reconnects the way that the Force was is viewed in the Star Wars galaxy to kind of how it was in uh, okay. Empire Strikes Back. So yeah. the way it's like talked about, like how. Uh, I just, I really like how the Force was, like, viewed as, like, the way it was, like, of balance, and, like, the part where, like, Rey's just kind of listening around her, and, like, talking about how the Force is, like, feels, and, like, everything around it, and, like, that montage of, like, plants growing, it's, like, it doesn't feel much like a Star Wars film, but it, it I feel like it just really reconnected the way that people viewed the Force from, like, changed from the way after the prequels and stuff, because, like, in the original trilogy, be it, a uh, be it A New Hope, or Empire Strikes Back, uh, Empire Strikes Back, the Force was a really mysterious thing. It was like an idea that like was in everyone. It wasn't like something that the Jedi's had a monopoly of controlling of, or like that one was intrinsically born with innate power of. It was just this mysterious thing that like that was in everything and basically was like the life force of the galaxy. And then the prequels kind of it was like taken in a different direction. Like the Jedi was made like the order of the Jedi was made to seem like that was the entirety of the Force, like the Sith, and yeah. it was very black and white in terms of ways. True. I really like how the Last Jedi kind of reset that, brought balance back to like the understanding, not just like the idea, but the understanding of the way the Force is in the world. It's like hard to explain. But, like, coming across those scenes where he talks about pre previous Jedi, he has that scene where he's, like, helping Rey connect with the area around him, and the idea of him cutting himself off from the Force. I just think that was a really interesting moment in that film. I agree, is because, you know, and I've never really thought about it that way, Michael, so it's interesting that you'd bring that sort of thing up, is that that moment where Rey sort of does, like, a montage of everything she feels, like life, yep. death, uh, you know, balance, stuff like that. It's really the only time where you get to see, because most of the time when a Jedi talks about a force, uh, yeah. talks about the force in a movie, it's like a monologue where mm. you can just, it's them shutting their eyes and talking about it, right? Yeah, exactly. But this scene almost made it seem as though we were going inside Rey's head and seeing what she was seeing yeah. with her eyes closed, right? Sure. Seeing all these things happening at once, <laughs> right? When she sees, like you're right, when she sees yeah. those plants grow from nothing to <laughs> everything in a matter of seconds, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it was something, it was, it created a, um, a tangibility sure. to the idea of the force yeah. that hadn't been explored previously. And that sort of gives a testament to, um, you, you know, the, the, the screenplay that Ryan Johnson sure. put together for The exactly. Last Jedi. It's That's one of the best parts that The Last Jedi gave us. I exactly. Will. And so I, I just really liked how that, like, kind of... It, it changed the view of the force, of the way that the force is viewed in the Star Wars movies in a, in a direction that I felt was, like, really faithful to the original, like, ideas of the original trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's great. So my number four is something that I would imagine is going to be a little bit higher on your opinion of the sequel trilogy, but my number four is Snoke's death and the Praetorian yeah. fight. That entire throne room sequence. Yeah, that's for one, for one main reason, yeah. okay? Uh, it's no secret that a lot of people that think that Force Awakens is a big rehash of A New Hope, and I mm. agree in some areas, mm. all right? I think that big parts of that movie are taken directly from A New Hope, mm. and for good, and I can understand why that was a thing, yeah. because opinion of Star Wars wasn't at its best before uh, around like 2013, 2014, before mm. Force Awakens came out. So I understand why JJ thought that he needed to really go back to what Star what to what made Star Wars great to get fans back on board. Alright? I understand why he made those choices, but at the end of the day, a lot of it is a rehash. So when The Last Jedi rolls around and we get to that scene, and you know, Snoke's saying all of the typical bad guy lines like young Ray and stuff like that, yeah. it gets to that moment where he pushes Ray over to that viewing port and she's watching the ships get slowly blown up, and I'm just like, oh. 
it's Return of the Jedi. Yeah. It's the throne room from it's the throne room scene from Return of the Jedi. For sure. Like she's watching her friends be, you know, um, attacked from, you know, a throne room out um, she's watching the events of the space battle going on in a throne room. Yeah. Huh, where have we seen that before? Yeah, exactly. And it's gonna end up in a massive fight where Kylo and Ray have a battle or yes. whatever and while, the, while Snoke just watches or something like that or, so, yeah. or basically yeah. a, you it know, felt like it was going in that direction of and, I, and I thought I was like oh god we're going to rehash and then Snoke freaking dies exactly and I was just like oh my god this is fantastic I know it, um, that is one of the moments that subvert, subverts expectations I have whole, when I, uh, as far as watching movies go I have never been so happy to be wrong yeah exactly. because when and it makes complete sense when Snoke is saying those lines when now foolish child he ignites it and kills his true enemy because yeah. you're right that's exactly what he's doing mm. he's killing his true enemy which was Snoke <laughs> and the idea that he was going to be controlled it's by like, this person it's, it's so vague the way he's saying it how does Snoke not realise Wait a second, this sounds like it could easily be about me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that is awesome. And yes, of course, the Praetorian fight is mm. is, uh, is is great. I, I, as I was saying, I have it higher up in my list. And we can go so more, you know what? No, you know, we'll go more into the actual fight itself. I will stop talking. On. I'll stop talking about it now because I have a feeling that we're going to be talking yeah. about it later. I just love this scene so much because of For how... Sure. Thankful I was yeah. to be wrong. I forgot because I thought that we were this subversation, sub, subverting of expectations was done in the scene. It was really because I honestly thought that I knew exactly where it was going to go, and I was just like, okay, we've seen that. Like it, it's, it's. I'm still going to like it, yeah. but we've seen it before, mm. and then I realized, wow, we have never seen this before. Exactly, which was the best part about that scene. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so yeah, that is my number four, Michael. What is your number three? Number three. Uh, for me, I have the entire dynamic and relationship and scenes with Finn and Poe. I think it's just... Storm pilot! They were just some of my favourite moments throughout. All of the films... I don't know, they have some good scenes in the third one, but mostly like first first movie and then some parts of the second movie as well. They're just so much fun. Like like the chemistry between them, they're like escape from the Star Destroyer in like that... So not the... Yeah, Star Destroyer. From the first order, start a story in the yeah. first one, and like they're like a relationship. Of, what's your name, Finn? It's like, oh, so what's your name? It's Poe. Like, what's your name? I don't have a name. It's like, oh, I will give you a name, Finn. Like, just their rapport was so exactly. fantastic. There's a moment that I really love when he's just like, I'm Poe, Poe Dameron. Good to meet you yeah. too. Good to meet you, Poe. Good to meet you too, Finn. Like, it's so, like, yeah, just the the energy with them in those scenes was like probably the most fun moments of those films. Like, that's my favorite, probably my favorite moment of like. Force Awakens, if not another part I'll talk about. And so, like, just, I, I really thought that that scene gave the feeling of the of the chemistry between the original trilogy characters. Yeah, I, I agree. In original trilogy characters, one of the best parts of original trilogy is the dynamic of the main group of people. And yeah. how, how much it is fun just seeing them interact and, like, have to deal with this, like, Star Wars galaxy and just the friendship between Luke, Han, Leia, Chewie, all of them. And so it's just, it's... I feel like they were able to capture the feeling of those original characters, mostly with those two. I mean, Ray has some good moments as well with them, and like, funnily enough, I feel like the mo- like the only moments when all three of them together in Risen Rise is Skywalker. How close yeah. is that? But, Ray doesn't meet Poe until the end of yeah. Last Jedi. Yeah, <laughs> but so and because of that, I, I but I think it is strongest when it's with Finn and Poe, be it Last Jedi, be it Rise of Skywalker, be it of course Force Awakens. So yeah, yeah. That's my- um, literally the moment that they meet 
when he's like, I'm helping you escape. Can yeah. you fly a TIE fighter? Yes. Like, as we're soon gonna, as, we're gonna break out as yeah. soon as they meet, their chemistry is palpable. Is and you immediately get the feeling of, like, those moments where Han and Leia would be talking in the hallway. For sure. And they'd be like, well, the bounty hunter that we ran into, in, ran into and old Mandel changed my mind and stuff yeah. like that. Like, those, those great is. moments where it really feels like you're not watching movie characters, you're watching people yeah. who are real friends just getting along. Yeah, like, exactly. you really feel like it's just John Boyega and Oscar Isaac having a good time. So, so 100%. Yeah, and they should have been gay. They should have uh, been, been lovers. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Okay, so that is my that that is yours. Sorry, Michael, that, that is, is your number three. Your number three. My number three is my favorite sequence from the Force Awakens, Ooh, and that okay. is the Millennium Falcon Jakku dogfight. Um, I yes. think it's awesome. Look, it doesn't make a lot of sense as far as why Ray is such an amazing pilot all of a sudden. And uh, we can look, get into I feel a... like you can, you, it. You can make sense. Be it one whether she's clearly connected to the Force, and that's been shown. To true, true. The yes. Of Jedi in the past. Plus, she's like done work on this thing before like with other pirates like with the ships and stuff like true so like you can you can wreck on it enough but like certainly the actual scene itself is very stellar so yeah that's a great uh the- Good explanation, Michael. Thank you. Um, but the reason I just love the scene is is the energy mm. and the way it's... Not only the way it's shot, the uh, original Star Wars theme that comes back when it's played, it's basically the first time you hear it. Is the title uh, theme or...? Well, it's a basically... It's it's a, it's an amalgamation of a lot of the right. original themes. Okay. And it was basically the first time you, you heard a lot of those original themes at that point in the movie. Mm. All right? It's so well shot. Yeah. The sense, the sense of speed that you get every time you have like an exterior shot, like you get to see that very yeah. first shot of the Millennium Falcon we yeah. saw in that very first 2014 teaser trailer mm. that we got for the Force Awakens that blew the YouTube that that yeah. blew the YouTube's to pieces. I feel like it's also one of the best like special effects shots in the Star Wars sequence. I, it, it's it that looks really good. It's that moment where Millennium Falcon goes up and then back down and mm. spins a couple times as the Tie Fighters go. Uh, yeah, that amazing scene yeah. that reali- that made sure. us realize, holy shit, Star Wars is back when that it trailer does. first. It, like, it gives a really good um, example of showing how this new technology, how this new era of Star Wars can really work to improve the like the feel and look of the original. That's just so, it, yeah. is because this was the first time we had seen the Millennium Falcon fly mm. since 1983. Exactly. All right? And a big difference. And there was a big difference as far as the way it looked because we hadn't seen the Millennium Falcon be used technically as yeah. far as special effects goes. Yeah since the 80s exactly. right so we had only and, and this made me realise that we had only ever seen the tip of the iceberg as to mm. what you can do with the Falcon cinematically oh for sure alright yeah. and that's why this scene is a really really awesome and, like, thing for me weaving through in and out it's just it is a very good scene and it also builds it's like pretty good way of starting to build up the relationship between Finn and, and Ray. exactly and the way that it ends when like Ray shuts off the uh, engines and it just free falls for a while yeah. letting Finn's jammed gun <coughs> get perfectly in position yeah. to take out that last TIE fighter and he just goes boom, and then the theme plays as they propel off into space. An amazing, amazing scene that I wish we got to see more of as far as the Falcon flying around. But, Definitely, yeah. Um, oh, I mean, we sort of did, and I'll just mention this as an honorable mention sure, because sure. I love this scene so much when Chewie is using yeah, is on yeah. the Falcon on crate with the pods. With the Porgs, because the original Tie Fighter, uh, Tie Fighter theme comes back there as well, yeah. and it's I think it's the best use of it in any mo- in Definitely. any of the Star Wars movies yeah. ever. Um, it's just it's just great. So that's yeah. my number three. All right, kind of similar to this, but I realized after you saying it, it's a bit different. My favorite moments, um, probably my favorite moments from like Force Awakens in general, and the thing I think it did best and strongest now that I've kind of thought about it for a bit is basically the bits with Han, Chewie, and the Falcon. Seeing them back and seeing like how Han is really good at this film. Like in terms of, I think I think unlike maybe some of the other characters who were kind of not brought back, like 
half-hearted, like, but they were, like, they were either different or, like, the actor was, like, getting a bit older or, like, certain appearances didn't feel like they were warranted. Han felt perfectly integrated into the story of Force Awakens. Like, his appearance is kind of the mentor to, like, Rey. His just, like, um, his flashbacks, like, there was perfect amounts of, of, like, fan service in terms of, yeah. like, Chewie, we're home, moments like that, yeah? It's, it's, it's a weird thing, is that, you know, because he is Han Solo, yeah. but in a lot of ways, he's the Obi-Wan of Force Awakens. For sure, Do you yeah. understand what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I get that. Not only because he is the guy who dies on the big mm. space station, <laughs> but, yeah. but also because he is the one who's, you're right, he's the mentor. Exactly. And he's the one who's been around for a while, and it's the, and it's really ironic that Han Solo, I believe... Yeah. Is at his best in Force Awakens. I, that's what I'm saying. I, I believe that it's the best movie that has him in it. I think it's it's a, just a great, and he's got so much chemistry with like everyone in. It. Like he's got he's got the fun mentor aspect with Ray. He's got the fun making fun of Finn for like being. You like, okay, big deal. <laughs> yeah. That's you know one of my favorite moments in Force Awakens when he goes, "Listen, big deal, you've got another problem. Yeah. Women always figure out the truth. Always. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, it's like, I I think Han is really good in that film, and like. Like, uh, it's something that I realized at the time. I'm like, okay, it's cool. We got Han back. We got this film. It's kind of boring. But, like, now that I've, like, looked at it after the fact, I'm like, I really liked how well Han was done in this. I think it was a perfect send-off to Han's character. Yes. And just, like, a great final last hurrah adventure with him. And it's just... And it makes me respect the hell I mean, out Chewie of... I as well. Chewie's also good in the beer. Chewie's fantastic. It makes me respect the hell out of Mr. Harrison Ford. Yeah. Because it's no secret, mm. Harrison Ford wasn't the biggest... I the crazy Like, wasn't crazy about the idea of coming back. Yeah. It was only the fact that he knew that he was going to die that made him do the movie. I think, yeah. I mean, okay, it's, I'm sorry, that's an yeah. oversimplification. It's kind of played up a lot that he just wants his character to die. It's more that he just didn't feel like his character had anywhere to go like afterwards and stuff. And so I, I agree with you 100% in the sense that that he didn't just come back and just half-ass like, half it. Like, he, he, he came exactly. back and basically did his best performance as Han. That's Absolutely, true. he did. Controversial take. Especially, All of the original trilogy fans are like, "No, I like him." In especially Empire. with his last scene yeah. uh, with Kylo, mm. because those moments where he's just like, "Leave here with me, come home. I'll do anything to make yeah. to make that happen and stuff." And of course, when he's already been impaled and he strokes Kylo's face, because yeah. he's just like, "I understand." Like you know, he he realizes what he's done, mm. but at the end of the day, he's his son and he still loves him. So he strokes his face exactly. and realizes, "I don't care. It doesn't matter what you do. You'll always be my son and I'll always love you." Exactly. As he falls to his deaths. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's tragic, but it's. It's like just such a good moment, and so yeah, just the inclusion of Han, Chewie, and just those moments in the Falcon, that those those fun moments in that film. Force Awakens, I would say, like Last Jedi, I think is like is just a very well done film. Like there's so many cinematic moments. It's like it's a very powerful creative film. Force Awakens, I'd give it the word. It's fun. Force Awakens is a fun film, and it captures the fun of the original trilogy, and especially A New Hope, just again another film. And so I think. If it, the, the parts that are most captured, that feeling of fun in the film is with Han and all of them. I agree. Like, there's a moment in Force Awakens where it's, it, like, no words are spoken and mm. the shot's only, like, three seconds long. But there's a moment after um, Ray goes, this is the ship that made the Kessel Run in 14 parsecs. Yeah. 12, he goes, like, he, he got it wrong. So and then he walks onto the cockpit. Yeah. And he just puts his hand on the uh, oh. on the, on the the seat and, just, and he just chuckles. Yeah. Because he's like... I'm home, exactly, and yeah. not only is he home, we're home. Yeah, and he and he smiles, exactly. and and you hear that. Those lines is just as much for him as it is for us. Da, 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 da. Mm. You hear that theme in the background. Exactly. It's just like a holy shit. Han Solo, after 30 years, is back on the Millennium Falcon, yeah. and we're gonna get a whole trilogy of this. Exactly. I mean, we didn't. We but. didn't, but like, yeah, <laughs> it's and so I, I agree. I think that I, I personally think that is the strongest moment for us. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so I'll get to my uh, number, number two. two. Right, that was your number two, wasn't that was it? My number two. Um, it's funny that we've been talking so much about Han because my top two, uh, you know, uh, top two moment 
is Han and Kylo's moment in Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yeah. I love this scene. Mm. It's clear that this would have been Carrie Fisher if she yep. hadn't passed away. And I understand that it doesn't make a lot of sense because it's 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 Kylo's memory. Alright? So mm. it's not it's not like a force ghost, it's a memory. It's basically like an inner monologue that he's having with himself where he yeah. sort of forgives himself. himself. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought about it like Look, that. look, it's it, so good. It's I so weird myself. to think realistic War crimes over. Realistically, yeah. he would have just been talking to thin air. Like if, if there was a third person yeah. Just just to one of the first order people like you're right there. You're He's right literally there, going insane on this cliff face. Because yeah. it would have just been like, there would have been absolutely no mm. words spoken and all of a sudden they just hear him say, your son is dead. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been really weird if, for, like an, a, for like an onlooker. That's a good... Uh, re- uh, your, son, uh, your son is dead. That's a good impression. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that moment where he's like really wet yeah. on that when they're having the lightsaber he's, duel. Yeah. He's like, Hux, I need a towel. <laughs> I need a towel. I'm very wet. <laughs> So no, I definitely agree. And yeah, again, ten points to ten points to Gryffindor here. Hey, no, look, yeah, exactly. I really, uh, I understand contextually, it doesn't make any sense. But it's the performance of Harrison Ford and Adam Driver, mm-hmm. and the way they interact with one another. Yeah. Um, that is that is really great. I really love the fact that the that the thing that brings Kylo over and basically completes his arc as a character, uh, is comprised of a lot of the same words that he said to Han the first time. You know, it, it's too late. You know, I yeah. don't know if. The, I know what I have to do, but I don't it's, know if I, I have the strength that works to do it. Because it is a memory. It's like him him basically the first time that Han did it, he was unsuccessful, but like it had such an impact that like years later it still had an impact on him and eventually was able to turn him. Exactly. Uh yeah, I just love this scene. Again with Han stroking his son's face. It's like again a great callback and yeah. is exemplifying the fact that he is just a memory. Yeah. But it's that moment where he realizes what he uh that what he's done and sort of turns back to the light. And mm. this is why Adam Driver is by far the best performance from the sequel trilogy yeah. is that moment where he tears up and just goes, Dad? All he says is, Dad, and then yeah. Han goes, I know. He's like, yeah, yeah I, he goes, he's basically saying, Dad, I love you, Dad, I'm sorry, and stuff yeah. like that, and he goes, I know. Yeah. And that's when he throws his lightsaber across the thing and becomes Ben Solo again. There's so much to love about oh, this. I'm gonna go home, right? There's so much to love about this scene. It's just really, really amazing, and I really love the way it was done. It's yeah. a, it is a, it is a uh, a saving grace amongst a pile of shit. <laughs> Look, we're being nice today. We're being nice. All right. So that your number two? It is. All right. Oh, all right. My number one. Number one. For me, I mean, we talked about it earlier. It is the Praetorian Guard fight with Rey and uh, Kylo, where they do a, basically a double tag team fight against like six Praetorians. Oh, yeah. Uh, eight? Eight Praetorians? Maybe. Um... It's just so... I think it's eight. It's yeah. so good. It's like, yeah, the thematic moments of it, like, earlier is better. Like, there are moments throughout the series which are the maybe disappearing more knife. Yes, yeah, there, <laughs> there are problems with it. There's a knife that disappears, but gee whiz, it feels like the most visceral fight in all of Star Wars. That's the moment where I'm like, oh, these Jedis are so cool. Like, the parts with, like, the lightsabers just, like... You feel the impact of a lightsaber burning through like yes. the armor, like the the fight, and so they have to tag team. Like Kylo is like taking them like three at once, and Rey is like trying to fight. Like it's just, it's hard to just describe because it's it's just so well choreographed in my opinion. And and then the, just the uh, just like witnessing it and viewing it, it's just the coolest moment of Star Wars. It's the part where I'm like, damn, Star Wars is so cool. Yeah, well, that, there's that. Uh, my favorite moment from the thing is right after Snoke dies. Uh, a good part of it is in like slow motion oh, yeah. once they approach. Hang on, they're like, 
where it's the, like all realize what happened and they all oh yeah and but the, no, they're, the they're unspoken s- moment between Ray and Kylo is they realize oh we're gonna tag team like they know they're just gonna team up on it it's yeah well that's oh. the thing that's something that's the, the best part about that unspoken uh, rapport that they have mm. is that they both think the wrong thing yes they both in think that, that they're the same in the, side because Ray thinks oh crap he's good now because he just killed yeah. Snoke and Kylo thinks she, oh great Ray's fighting with me she, now yeah, she's about to be my apprentice it's only it's afterwards so that they, it's only afterwards that they realize that they're that they're both still against yeah. each other which is again a reason why Ryan Johnson is such an amazing screenwriter because he thinks these things up just out of nowhere and it's amazing that he did yeah um, but yes I, I do agree and what I was saying about such that such a good fight yeah there's that slow motion shot where they are slowly approaching mm. they all raise their weapons yeah. and just as they make contact it goes back to normal time and it just explodes yeah. mm. in a bunch of different movements from all ten of these combatants yeah. that are just going in all different directions there's that moment where Ray and Kylo use each other as support yeah as Kylo like and, and Ray like push off yes. of each other and like pounce onto the guards it's it such a well also, constructed fight again yeah. there are a couple of choreography uh, mishaps like, yeah, if, you, if you slow it down but like, I don't care about that it's what the fight re- just don't notice it's what the fight represents mm. alright and it's really good I just also think it's like it's great because you saw the like in Return of the Jedi like there are these cool like Imperial guards like outside, which like yeah. don't do anything. So much of the time, Star Wars has a, a little bit of an issue with characters which look so cool, which do nothing. It's you've like got the, royal you know, guards. You've got Boba Fett most of the film. You've got like so many other background characters. You know what I've also I've always thought yeah. about those two Imperial royal guards yeah. who Palpatine was like guards. Leave us. Leave us. And they never come back. You, you imagine they're just like on the, on like, like two levels down thinking, yeah. hey, there's a lot of screaming and stuff going up up there. Should we, should we go, should we go check it out? I'm and the, other, and the other guy's just like, nah, nah, just smile and wave boys. Yeah. Smile and wave. And he goes back up and Palpatine's fucking dead. <laughs> Do you reckon we're going to get blamed for this? <laughs> you are so fired. Oh. Yeah. So in that sense, I feel like, yeah, they've got a real problem of characters, which look so cool doing nothing and yeah. so leading up to this film I I don't I think we saw like some images before and of these characters these Praetorian guards who look really cool they're like wow they're like royal guards but they've like de- redesigned them and they look so cool but most of the time you just see them die or they do nothing and it just but then you get actually get to see them do something and they hold and their they own are so cool one of them puts Kylo Ren in a chokehold yeah like they've yeah. got like each of them have got unique weapons like they they're just such a small moment that like could be like insignificant of the thing but it's just such a memorable moment in the film and I just think that while it's not the most thematic Star Wars or the moment that like captures the feeling or, of the force or anything like that it's the moment of the sequel trilogy that I most think back and be like damn I want to watch that again yeah uh, that's a great choice Michael um, I, I, I totally agree it's just a fan- it's a really really good oh, scene yeah you had it earlier on the list but yeah that's true yeah um, alright now, now my number one Your number one I feel like I've cheated a little bit here nah go ahead because Jeez, I, because I just needed to, like, I couldn't all, I, I it's all so amazing. Yeah. It's everything with Luke on crate. Yeah. All right. That's my number one. All right. Not only is his sequence amazing, we'll get to that in a minute, but it might be my favorite uh, scene. It's probably, it, it's my favorite moment from the entire sequel trilogy. Mm. And it's very simple. Yep. There is no fighting. There yep. are no lightsabers. There are no blaster shots. Nothing. It's just Luke and Leia talking. Oh, All right. Yeah. It is the only scene that Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher have together in the entire sequel trilogy, mm. and it is so good. You feel the history between these t- between this brother and sister, and the way and the fact that she goes, "I know what you're going to say." Yeah. I changed my hair, and he goes, "It's nice that way." 
I have three sisters. Yeah. That is exactly what a brother and sister would say to each other. And that is, it is, yeah, it is yeah. just so good. And the way that they smiled, you can tell that they love each other, both their characters and the actors. Yeah. Right. The fact that like Mark Hamill has said that he can't watch that scene mm. because of just the emotive connection that he feels to Carrie sure. and the fact that she's gone now, it's, you yeah. know, very sad, but it's just so good because of the, because not only is Carrie Fisher amazing in that scene where she's just like, yeah. I'm glad you're here at the end. Definitely right? a great best performance in the sequel. I agree. Because, um, yeah. uh, yeah, and the way that oh god, it's oh, I, it's I'm getting emotional even talking about sure, it. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just so gorgeous the way that Luke stands up after he kisses his sister on the sh- uh, on the head, knowing that he's gonna die. Yeah. This will be the first. This will be the last time they speak. Mm. The way he hands her the dice, it's just all so amazing. Yeah. The way that he winks at Steve Three PO after he goes, Master Luke, and and yeah. and, and like I've mentioned it before because I me- she clearly knows that he's a ghost in that yeah. moment. Oh, so good. And I've 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 mentioned this before. It's that it's that music that plays when he's when he's uh. Master Watching out that dun 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 bum 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 the spark it's called. If you haven't already yeah. listened to that theme on YouTube right now, even just even just the moments with Kylo Ren and Luke as well are also so yeah. interesting. Well, so, you, yeah. That's that, that's the next thing I was going to yep. say is that that moment where Kylo realizes who's coming out and he goes yep. stop right yep. and literally and li- and literally time freezes yeah. as Luke comes out the resistance is watching him the first order is watching him because they are seeing what Luke has been called this entire time a legend they are seeing a legend walk out in front of them and they and none of them can believe it because yeah. they didn't think that would ever happen yeah. and then all of the stuff that follows when he goes I want every gun we have to all, fire on I that man. all of the guns. Yes. No, I want to see every single And that gun. moment where Luke just brushes off his shoulder and goes, is just yeah, amazing. So Thanks, audio listeners. You just heard a bunch of silence, but yeah. it's you all know what I mean. It's uh, amazing. We'll do audio descriptive. And Jack then, brushes the nothing off of his shoulder. <laughs> and yeah, the Carlo and Luke, I don't want to say fight because again, the sabers never touch, yeah. but their exchange is amazing dance, because really. it is more of a dance, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, that last line that Luke has, which completes his arc in that yeah. movie, going from someone who has become so cynical about the idea of the Jedi yeah. to realizing that this is a galaxy that needs mm. a uh, someone, uh, th- that it needs the Jedi, and that he won't be the last Jedi is the mm. last thing he says. And all the stuff that he basically... Uh, there's the callback when he says, every word that you just said is wrong. Oh, that's such a, it's such a quotable line as well. It's amazing. Would I have liked amazing. Would I have liked to see Luke's green lightsaber? Yeah. Hell yeah, I would have. But it's still amazing. Like that's, that's just like a whole killing Akbar off screen thing. It's like a thing that I get angry yeah. at, but it's not something I can judge the movie for because it's like such a, such a little they, thing. It's like they tried to build up a big significance of like the original lightsaber and stuff. And so I understand that why they did it, even if it doesn't really make much sense. Yeah. But no, can I be honest? Talking about this stuff is going to make me want to go watch Last Jedi, watch Last Jedi. Jedi tonight. Or just oh. at least watch that scene with Luke and Leia because it's it's so beautiful it might be one of my favourites like top three in any Star Wars movie because it's so good like I like I said I just want to go back to the fact that it feels so real because that is exactly what twin brother and sister would say to each other it's just oh it's 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 fantastic very good pick Jack very good pick Uh, and with that that was our uh, sequel appreciation mode. I think I think that this topic exemplifies the fact that the sequels have a lot of problems, yeah. but there is so much that they did really, really well. There's a lot. They of just life. couldn't replicate it for three full movies. <laughs> I think I think it's it's clear that like unlike people who are like, oh, it was all a mistake. We need to remove all of it. Like, yeah, there were issues with it, but I'm glad we got them. I think it it, it signifies a really interesting moment of like our enjoyment of Star Wars. It's like that moment where Disney was like attempting to make their films and like they've they've done some 
things. They did some good moments. They did some bad moments, and they're learning from it, growing from it. Yeah. And I, I, I wouldn't want it gone. I think it's it's an important part of the of the Star Wars legacy. You know. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people are going to think we're spouting bullshit because we are. We there is a, there there, there is a good portion of the Star Wars fandom that still thinks that the Last Jedi is one of the worst films ever made. Um, I don't th- I don't know it's because we're being paid by Disney to say this. I don't letting that out. I honestly don't know how people can think that Last Jedi is a worse film than Rise of Skywalker. Okay, I, ooh, I'd be interested to know how many people have that opinion. That's a, that'd be a real hot take. Yeah, uh, because, yeah, Rise of Skywalker's garbage. But anyway, uh, <laughs> let's, the, I think you, I, I really had a fun time talking about that, ooh. Michael, and, you um, can't let it go. You yeah, can't let I, it go. no, listen, I'm gonna yeah. get back on track here. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed talking about that discussion, yeah. and it just reminds me of the fact that regardless of my thoughts on some of what, uh, some of the stuff that they did, mm. and some of the stuff ups that they made as a company, when they were making the sequels, there was a lot of stuff that they still did right. And yeah. for that, the the existence of the sequel trilogy is, at the very least, warranted. Yeah. And that brings a dis- that brings an end to the end of that discussion and an end discussion. to today's episode, guys. Thank yeah. you very much for listening. Uh, we're happy to be back again after a little bit of hiatus in the, every, every second week for the last couple of weeks. Um, but uh, we're very excited because next week we will be talking about the... 2D Clone Wars animated series which I have never even seen so I'm going to be very happy to watch it and then give my thoughts on it because there's a bunch of stuff to unpack Um, and then after that we will be reviewing the first episode of The Bad Batch the week after that in celebration of May the 4th Uh, it'll be coming out and we'll be giving you guys an uh, in-depth review I suppose a spoiler review maybe hopefully Tarkovsky's Clone Wars Tarkovsky's Clone Wars exactly thank you um so I, I think I, I've already seen the first part and I think there is a lot that we'll be able to talk about. So it should be a really interesting discussion. Really interesting yeah. Episode. Other than that, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. This episode will be going out 12 p.m. AEST yep. uh, on a Sunday when you'll be listening to it, hopefully. Uh, it will uh, also be available on YouTube halfway through the week on the Wednesday. Yep. And uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, our social media presence. Make sure to stay up to date there because we give you guys all the updates and our thumbnails and stuff like that. Yep. Links to the episode We're in the, uh, I believe, eight to nine different places that you can watch us and all the uh, stu- on the uh, streaming platforms that we're on it's impossible to escape us we're everywhere yes basically any to where you can watch a podcast we can, you could probably find us Spotify Anchor you know yep. Apple doesn't matter we're there yeah. um, and that's about it guys again we've got a lot of cool stuff planned for the next couple of weeks because we've actually got concrete Star Wars stuff being released which is kind of awesome so um, for 17 weeks apparently because that's yeah. how long this, that's how long cool. Bad Batch is going to be um, which should you know give us something to talk about for a good long while Uh and that's about it, Michael. Anything else to say? Uh, no, I mean, enjoy this episode. Yeah, uh, hopefully we should be good for like not being too busy. But because once we get to weekly like uh, bad batch episodes, it should be easy to like watch that and then get down to our, our podcast recording. So hopefully we won't have any more missed weeks. But uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for sticking with us. If you guys are still still listening to us, I hope it means a lot. It means a lot to us. Exactly, it really does. Every every listen every listener uh, counts to us, guys. We really appreciate every time you click on us. May the force be with you always. Have a great week. This has been. Telling the odds.